This is a Sunday we'll never know who came who didn't set the clock back because they'll circle the driveway here in about a half an hour and say, yeah, I'm not going to go in at 1130. I'm just not going to do it. I'm glad you're here. You're awake. And it's going to be fun to look through uh, Jeremiah this morning. Most of you will remember uh, me mentioning at some point that my father died when I was four in a military airplane accident. And so uh, I can remember after that uh, visiting many times with my grandfather. My father, Morgan L. Phillips Jr., was the son of Morgan L. Phillips Sr., and I was the only Phillips carrying on the Phillips name. And so when I went to visit my grandfather in Fort Smith, Arkansas, we would always go into the backyard for two reasons. One, so he could chew tobacco, which he wasn't allowed to do in the house, according to Florence Phillips. And he would open up his red man. He would always offer me some. <clears throat> and... uh then he would take what I thought was really an enormous amount of tobacco and somehow get it into the back of his mouth. And then for the next length of time, as long as I would stay in the backyard, he would fill me in on the details of my father's life. And, you know, when you're a young boy, you don't quite get it, but what I felt like he was doing was was backfilling my life with information that I'm not going to know. And it felt like what he was saying is, Paul, you will not know yourself until you know your father. You will not know yourself until you know your father. And so he took it upon himself to backfill information for me about my dad. When you read the first three verses in Jeremiah, which we did last week, you get some backfilled information about Jeremiah's life. Jeremiah was born in a city called Anathoth, which is three miles just outside of Jerusalem. He was a preacher's kid. His father's name, we can see there, is Hilkiah, who was a priest. And we know that Jeremiah lived at the end of the uh, reign of Judah, the southern part of Israel, underneath three administrations or three kings. Those three are listed, Josiah, Jehoiakim, and Zedekiah. And although these facts are helpful, they're relatively flat. It's just information. But when we turn to these verses, specifically in chapter 5, I mean verse 5, this is what really begins to give Jeremiah's life some depth and definition. Not just these flat facts in the first three verses, but Jeremiah's life here in this passage is being backfilled with information from a vertical perspective. In the first three verses, it was just, Here's a horizontal perspective of your life, Jeremiah. That's fine. That's helpful. 
But when we turn to chapter five or verse five, now the real depth and definition comes into Jeremiah's life because it's not just horizontal information Jeremiah is getting. It's vertical information. He's getting a vertical orientation to his life. Everyone here has some horizontal orientation to their life. You've been a part of the grade school project where you have to fill out the family tree. Your teacher hands you a tree and there's little lines and as the project is, you bring it home and your parents try to remember the names of their parents and grandparents and if you can get further back than that, then you get a good grade on your project. Well, that's a horizontal orientation, but... Our, our depth and definition doesn't just come from that orientation. Jeremiah tells us the real depth and definition to your life or, or to my life comes when we understand that we actually have a vertical orientation. That our life began before the beginning of our family tree. No matter how many blanks you could fill in, Jeremiah found out that he had a before that point. Just like you and I do. I love how Eugene Peterson says this, and it's written there on the front of your bulletin. He says this, My identity does not begin when I begin to understand myself. There's something previous to what I think about myself, and it is what God thinks of me. I never make the first move. Jeremiah's life didn't start with Jeremiah. Jeremiah's salvation didn't start with Jeremiah. Jeremiah's truth didn't start with Jeremiah. Jeremiah entered into the world and uh, entered, entered the world in which the essential parts of his existence were already ancient history. Jeremiah entered where essential parts of his world were already ancient history. And I, I love this, and I, I know some of you can appreciate this. Sometimes when you are in a close and close and involved conversation with three or four people, another person joins the group and abruptly begins saying things. You ever been in that situation? I love how Peterson says it. Arguing positions and asking questions in complete ignorance of what has been said for the past two hours. Oblivious to the delicate conversational balances that have been achieved. And when that happens, I always want to say, just shut up for a while, won't you? Just sit and listen until you get caught up on what's going on here. Get in tune with what is taking place. Then we will welcome you into our conversation. God is more patient. God puts up with our interruptions. God backtracks and fills us in on old stories. And He repeats the vital information. And so when we look at these verses here today, what we have is a repetition to Jeremiah of the vital information. Jeremiah, this is the, these are your vital signs. This is what's going to keep you moving. This is what's going to keep you alive. And he's not just backfilling Jeremiah's life with what happened to your father Hilkiah. He's backfilling information about his heavenly father, God Almighty, Jeremiah. This is what you need to know. Jeremiah, you can't know yourself until you know your heavenly Father. There's no way to know yourself unless you know your heavenly Father. 
Jeremiah is born into to a world that's going to get very, very chaotic very quickly. And he's going to need an orientation. He's going to need something at the center that keeps him looking on target and not getting off target. There are certain communities, even in this town, that you would go to and you would hear social workers say, this is the problem with this community. There are no fathers. And if you want to know what's wrong with the world, the answer is the same. We've lost an orientation on our Heavenly Father, and so now when we live in this sort of chaos and tumult, either inside or in our world, we don't have a singular orientation. And God is saying, Jeremiah, I want to give you the vital information. You need to get oriented around me and understand who I am, and then you can understand how to live your life. So I want to look at this really just in two ways. The first point I want to spend most of our time on is just looking at Jeremiah's origin. A couple of things that we learn from that in verse 5. And then Jeremiah's assessment. It's like God assesses a situation, and then Jeremiah comes back and says, well, let me, let me show you my assessment. You ever done that? We're going to find out how Jeremiah does here. So let's start with verse 5. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, verse 5, before, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. It's important when we read the Bible to understand this as we enter into the Bible. The Bible is not a book about people. But when you open up the Scriptures, you're not intended to learn primarily things about people. It's not a book about Adam and Eve, and it's not a book about Moses, and it's not a book about Abraham, it's not a book about Mary, it's not a book about Peter, it's not a book about Paul, it's not a book about Jeremiah. You know what this book is about? It's about God. You and I, mankind, doesn't need another book on our shelves to tell us about ourselves. We have plenty of books for navel-gazing. But what we need is we need a book that gets us off of ourselves and begins to to help us see the one fixed point in the universe, and that's God Almighty. And that's what the Bible does. And so when we look at verse 5, we learn a lot about God. And that's what Jeremiah wants, or God wants Jeremiah to understand, is Jeremiah, I want you to know something about your Heavenly Father. Because if you don't see me well then you're never going to see yourself. Verse 5 tells us that that God knew Jeremiah before he was born and that God formed Jeremiah in the womb. Let's just let that sink in for a moment. Because this is also true about yourself. Before you were born, God knew you. This word know is the same word that you see in other places where there's husband-wife relationships. Adam knew Eve. 
It wasn't just sort of a knowledge. It was an intimacy. God knew you before you were born. And then He formed you in your mother's womb. In an effort to help young women make a decision about pregnancy, Lifeline Pregnancy Center, who had their banquet, which we prayed was successful just this past week, they have this question on their website. How does God see your unborn child? You know what the answer is? Verse 5. He knows your unborn child, and He's forming your unborn child in the womb. That's how God sees your child. Now, God does use natural processes, and all of us understand this, and I'm not going to have a slideshow about it, but all of us understand it, that He's actually using natural processes to bring about what He wants to see happen. When um, I was a child, um, we get in these conversations with different families. You move around when you're in the military, and here, here are my children, how old are they? Well, here's Paul, he's five, here's Morgan, Here she's uh, or, uh, Diane, she's six, here's Camille, she's seven. And you know, you just begin registering on the faces that are learning this information, and my mom would say, uh, because my sister is exactly 12 months older than I am, she would always say this, Oh, Paul, he was a surprise. And this is what I always thought. You know, do you ever see the sixth grade sex education film? This is a terrible thing, but you probably, a lot of you saw it. It was the special day that you sort of the boys got in one room and the girls got in the other. Before I saw that film, this is what I thought when my mom said that. I thought it was like I just sort of came in and, surprise, I'm here. Like just a knock on the door and... You're the lucky family, and golly, here I am. I just had such a high self-esteem. I felt so good about myself that I was just this great surprise to my family. And then in sixth grade, my self-esteem, after that film, just... Because I realized I wasn't a surprise. I didn't catch my parents off guard one day. I was unplanned. From a horizontal perspective, I was unplanned. But you see, I can go back to before the film when I read verse 5. Because from a vertical perspective, Paul, I knew all about you. I'm the one. I'm the one who puts you there. I'm forming you. I've got my hands on you. And you're not going to know yourself until you know me. And so that's the way God is working here. And we see it from this horizontal perspective. Jeremiah learns that his arrival was planned. It was by design. He's not here by accident. You are not here by accident. You are not a mistake. You are not some process of a long evolutionary line and just this is what happened. 
You are here by a designer. You have a specific design. And the Lord's hands are on you. And so we read in the next line here what we are actually designed for. We see we have a designer. Well, what are we designed for? And he says it here with these two words. You are meant, you are consecrated, which means set apart, and you are appointed. This word consecrated or set apart for some of your translations is the same word that means holy. The same root Hebrew word. Holy. You're, you're, there's something different. There's something distinct. You're you're separated out from all the normal stuff. When we get to you, you're a unique design. And you've been appointed. The Hebrew word here is, it means given. God separates His people apart from the world for a very specific purpose, which is to be given to the world. Very helpful to get both of those in line. You are not just designed and meant to be separated out from the world. You are to be separated out from the world for a very specific design, and that is to be given to the world. And you see this all over the Bible. I'm just going to name a few. But this is a biblical pattern for what God is doing in this world. He is separating out and then He is giving to the world. And He's separating out holy people to be given back into dark situations. And you see that primarily in the life of Christ. Do you not? Who is the most holy person? Jesus Christ. And what was His purpose? To be given to the world. Right before His crucifixion in John chapter 17, Jesus prays for His disciples, and this is His prayer. 17, 17. He's praying to God and He says, Sanctify them. Set them apart by the truth. As you sent Me into the world, so I am sending them. The only help you're going to be to the lost and dying world is if you really understand the truth about God the Father. Acts chapter 13, just prior to this massive missionary journey that begins with Paul and Barnabas, there's a prayer meeting in a church called in, in a city named Antioch. And it says this in Acts 13, While they were worshiping the Lord, and the Holy, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. They need to be holy, separate. They're away from everything else. For what purpose? For the work to which I have called them. And so they placed their hands on them and sent them off into the world. Set apart and then given back to the world is the design. So so Jeremiah is learning here vital information, and you need to learn vital information. He is here by design. God Almighty has His hands and is forming Him from the very first moment in the womb and even before the womb. And He's here for a very specific purpose. Now, Jeremiah's very specific purpose is different than my purpose. 
or your purpose. He's being given to a particular time, Judah. He lives in a dark place that only grows darker. And he's meant to be in the very darkest places. But that pattern is the same for you and I. We are to be separate, meaning different from, distinct from the world. And we need to ask ourselves, if people look at our lives, would they say we're at all distinctive? Could they see by the way we live live our lives that we're all distinctive? And would they see that in unbelievable proportion we are giving ourselves to these people? Would they say that? See, Jeremiah wasn't coming in just to give raw truth. How is Jeremiah characterized? What kind of prophet prophet is he? He's always called this, the the weeping prophet. Do 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 you hear the heart of Jeremiah here? He's not just coming in and saying, I have some information and I'm trying to transport it to you. I'm getting into your lives. I love you. I want you to know something. And he's passionate about giving his whole life into the life of people who are lost. There's a couple of practical applications to just this information. Again, from Peterson's book, he says this, We are known before we know. This realization has a practical result. No longer do we need to run here and there, panicked and anxious, searching for answers to life. Our lives are not puzzles to be figured out. Rather, we come to God who knows us and reveals to us the truth about our lives. The fundamental mistake is to begin with ourselves. The fundamental mistake is for you to begin with yourself. You're trying to find yourself. God is at the center from which all life Develops. So you might be here today and saying in your mind, you know, I, I'm, I'm a person who's trying to find myself. You might be a high school or college person saying, I don't, I don't know who I am anymore. I, I sort of had an identity when I was younger, but now I've, I've got to become somebody. I, I'm trying to find myself. You might be somebody here who is reconsidering what they've oriented their life around. And you're saying, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I don't have a center anymore and I need to go and find myself. You could be a 40-something or 50-something person who's going through this midlife crisis or some sort of identity crisis and you're trying to find yourself. And I want to suggest to you from this passage, before you, you trade in your car... Before you travel, before you switch careers, before you trade in your spouse, before you do all the things the world would say, this is where you can find your life. If you just center your life around this thing, and there's millions of offerings out there that look very attractive, God is saying to Jeremiah, and God is saying to you and I, I've got to be at the very center. Jeremiah, Paul Phillips, and you can insert your name unless you know your Heavenly Father, you're never going to know yourself. Second thing I think is 
helpful about these verses and very important thing we learn is we learn a deep and sometimes kind of thorny theological truth about our second birth by reflecting back on our first birth. From looking at this information and looking at Jeremiah's first birth, we can learn something very important, but it's also kind of thorny sometimes when you try to discuss it. It's also true about our second birth. Our second birth. Now let's just have your finger in Jeremiah and turn to Ephesians. This is where this passage comes in. And what we learn from verse 5 in Jeremiah about our first birth is that our first birth actually begins with God. That's as clear as it could be in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. God's completely in charge. He's the author of our life. He does use a natural process to bring about our birth. But he really gets all the credit for our existence. Therefore, if you were to say, well, when does my life begin? You might say, and you would be right at saying, well, my life began at conception. Right. I mean, from a horizontal perspective, a horizontal orientation, you got it right on. That's a true statement. But you would say, now having looked at verse 5, well, yeah, that's true from a horizontal perspective, but you know, from a vertical perspective, I had a life from before. I did, just didn't begin when, when um, my mother and father got together. I actually began in the heart and the mind of God before that. So... We look at our second birth, John chapter 3, Jesus, you're familiar with this story, talks to Nicodemus. And he tells Nicodemus, if you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, you must be born again. You have to experience this second birth. And so just like our, our birth, our first birth, God is completely in charge of our second birth. Hebrews 12 says, Jesus is the author of our faith. Certainly, God uses natural processes for a second birth to come about. We heard that from Rick this morning. He was trying to give all credit to God, which he did very well, but he couldn't give all credit to God without saying, but I want to tell you about a natural process that God used. He used Andrew Barton. He used Ron West. He used the people in this church. That's the horizontal orientation. But Rick understood and now completely understands. He also had a vertical orientation. God was intersecting his life. Not just Andrew or Ron or people in the church. And so God gets credit for our second birth, just like he gets credit for our first birth. And if you look in verse 13, now in Ephesians 1.13... If you were asked this question, when were you born again? And you answered it this way, well, I was born again when I knelt down by my bedside and gave my heart to Christ. When I went to a camp or VBS or I walked down an aisle. Is that when you were born again? Yes, absolutely, no question about it. And Ephesians 1.13 affirms that very event. And it says it by this way. You were included in Christ when? When were you included in Christ? When you heard the word of truth. When you believed. 
But we know. We know we had a before. God wasn't just working at that moment. He was working on us from before. Just like He was forming us in our mother's womb. And so that's where you can go back to verse 4. And you read this. He chose us in Him when? Before. Before the foundations of the earth itself. So from a horizontal perspective, yes, you've given your life to Christ at some point when you heard the gospel and believed. But as you mature, you begin to see, I had it before. God was doing something way before I ever did something. He knew me before I ever knew Him. And so I think when we look at Ephesians 1, we can see how Jeremiah is saying the same thing in his verses here. I I know there are some people here that are here considering the gospel. You're thinking about where is my life orientation and what is it that the Bible is telling me? What am I hearing today? And I hope that you hear this morning the truth and that you believe the truth. That's my hope. From a horizontal, from a horizontal perspective, I'm doing all I can to use natural processes. I'm preaching the truth, and you may hear the truth, and you may believe the truth. But before this event happened this morning, I was praying to a God who understood that there was a before. And that was so freeing for me. That it wasn't up to me to say it just right. And for you to hear it just right. Because God is working from a vertical perspective long before Paul Phillips ever intersects or the gospel ever intersects your lifetime. So those are a couple of things that we learn. Now, just sort of in closing, I want to look at Jeremiah's assessment. This is so, so real and so helpful and so Paul Phillips in this verse. And I think you're going to find yourself here. Jeremiah, he understands his horizontal orientation. Now in verse 5, he's gotten a vertical orientation. And you would just think, God, I mean, God, I had no idea that you were that involved with my life before my life actually began. And so Jeremiah hears this call and he says, wow, God, you're incredible. How could I possibly refuse to go to the nations? Yes, sign me up. Is that what Jeremiah says? Nope. Jeremiah hears the call and he says, okay, God, one, hold, hold on one second. Let me pull out my resume. I mean, because, you know, there may be some things on my resume that you don't know. And it'll be so helpful for me to evaluate and assess myself. I'll give you that vital information, and then we'll see, you know, together, we'll see how we can make something happen. Have you ever done that with the Lord? He's giving you the vital information, and you think, He's missed something so critical, and it's so helpful that I'm here to help Him. And Jeremiah pulls out his rap sheet. And he says, you know, 
God, you've overlooked just a couple of things. And he actually says it very strongly when he uses this word, behold. Very strong word. Pay attention, God. There's two problems. First, and I probably should have told you beforehand, I didn't give you my report card, but I'm not doing well in my public speaking class. Oh, I admit it. I'm just not a great public speaker. I mean, it's, you know, it's not my gift. That's the Christian way of saying I don't want to do something, by the way. I mean, in case you run across it, and you will, especially if you get into any leadership position, you ask somebody to do it, and this is what they say. They want to be real pious about it. And they want to be real Christian about it. They really just don't want to do it, but they can't say no, so they say this. That's ah, not my gift. And you're supposed to just walk away and say, well, I guess I've got to find the gift. Secondly, I should say that doesn't work on God when you try that. Second piece of his rap sheet, I'm too young. Jeremiah probably is 16, 17. I want everyone who's 16 or 17 to hear that. He gets the call when he's 16 or 17 to take the message to the nations. Jeremiah tells God he's not ready for prime time. I mean, he's just in high school. You remember this this great scene. I'm not going to be able to quote it for you, but I just love this picture in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, especially in the movie. The children as a foursome have just come into Narnia, and they're in the beaver's house. Remember this? They're in that little beaver hut, and they're all ducked down in there around the table with the beavers, and the beavers are informing them that they're a part of a prophecy that for Sons, uh, sons of Adam and daughters of Eve would come into Narnia and they would be the people that would overthrow the white witch. And the beavers are so excited and they're looking and saying, you are the ones. And Peter's sort of the one who's heading up the foursome. And he looks at the beavers and says, I'm just a boy. I'm not qualified. You've got the wrong people. I'm not even from this world. It's very possible that right here, right now, by God's design, God is calling you to be a part of something. And you may be saying, God, I hear your call, but I just need to give you some information. And do you hear what God, do you hear what Jeremiah is saying when he says this? I want you to hear this clearly. It's very true for many of us. It's been true on my account many times. When Jeremiah gives his excuse, I'm not a good speaker and I'm too young, what do you learn about Jeremiah? You learn that Jeremiah really believes that he is at the center of the universe. He is not going to prevail, and therefore he refuses. Do you hear that? 
You really learn that about Jeremiah, right? When it really counts, Jeremiah says, I just don't think I can accomplish it. And when God steps onto the scene, he looks at Jeremiah and says, I don't need any of your talent. I don't need anything, Jeremiah. I don't care about your age. I don't care about your speaking ability. What I care about is if you are really centered on me, when you're really centered on me, and you've relinquished control of your own life, oh, now, I can use somebody like that. But if you constantly are hearing God's call and constantly pulling out all the reasons you can't accomplish it, then what you said about yourself is you're at the center of your universe. And what God is trying to help Jeremiah see is that he has a before. And what should be at the center of his universe is God the Father who has a before and a during. He is with Jeremiah and he's at the end of the age. So you don't have to worry about your talent level. God's real good at using very unqualified people. You can read the Bible and learn about unqualified people. And so I would ask you this morning, just as a way to close, is there anyone here who feels like God's called them in some way, and this could be the simplest thing, to your neighbor, to your school, to your community, to a nation, And are you resisting it in some way? Because you just say, I'm not a good speaker. I've got Paul on speed dial, so if they give me a hard question, just call Paul up and say, Paul, can you help? Are you like that? You just, you get right there and then you just go, I'm not that qualified. And God's not looking for somebody who's qualified. He's looking for somebody who's humble. And secondly, you may be here seeking after God, and what you discover is God's been seeking after you. You're looking around, trying to orient your life on something, and it keeps shifting. And you know it's shifting because you keep trading it in, hoping this one will have the the gravitational pull to keep my life together. And you're sitting here saying, nothing seems to do that. And I'm telling you, until you know your Father, you're never going to know yourself. And He knew you. He formed you. He loves you. And He has a design for you. But you're going to have to let go of yourself. You're going to have to let go of the other things you've centered your life on. And open yourself up to the Almighty God. Let's pray together. Lord, big things were said to Jeremiah. We covered a very few of them. But some very important issues. We're here by design. And we're here for a very specific purpose. 
And Lord, I'm praying for a work that only you can do in the lives of people here right now, that they would respond to that call. For all of those who are nervous, they have trusted in you, but now they can't really let go because of their own fears, of their own inadequacies. Would you help them let go of those things and give themselves to you? And for those who are here that don't know you, would they give up on themselves? Would they give up orienting themselves around anything else in this world? And finally, maybe kicking and screaming, maybe with great joy, let go of those things. And know their heavenly Father so that they can live the life that they were designed to live. Lord, again, we thank you for the resources of this church, primarily people. But you poured out wealth amongst these people. And you have given them a heart to give. And so I want to pray that the money that is comes today would be money in your hands. And that you would be the distributor of that to people in communi- this community, to people in this church, to to people in Haiti, wherever you would like to see it go. We, we just want to be a conduit of, of that and for your eternal work, that lives like Rick and Rachel could be constantly transformed by the truth of the gospel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.